Shalom and welcome again to Secrets of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. We're very, very happy to greet you today. I uh, hope you're well and safe no matter where you are. Uh, if you'd like to comment or raise some issues with us, uh, please feel free to uh, email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. If you'd like to make a tax-free donation to help support our work, please go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com. Just click on the donate button and follow the prompts, and we very, very much appreciate your support. Likewise, if you're a part of a company organization that would like to sponsor some of these podcasts, uh, we welcome that. Just email me at the same address and check out the Jewish Sacred Aging Facebook page. We're more than happy to welcome you there as well. You know, in uh, the last couple of years, as we've done all these podcasts and a lot of the teaching that we do in congregations and organizations um, around North America for Jewish Sacred Aging, one of the things that has emerged that we frankly did not expect when uh, we started this program a decade or so ago is the concern of what is called, so-called in the literature, solo agers, S-O-L-O, solo agers. And we're very, very lucky and honored to have, uh, as today's guest, uh, somebody local who uh, first introduced me to this concept in a class that I was teaching at a local JCC. I guess now it's about five, six years ago. I've lost. It was pre-pandemic, as we now can't count time. So, Carol Leskin, uh, welcome. It's a pleasure to see you and um, very much appreciate you giving up some time to come and talk to us and walk us through this uh, growing phenomenon of what is called solo agers. Carol, how are you? Nice to see you. How are you doing today? It's good to see you and thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really pleased to have this opportunity. Well, I will again compliment you and, and, and have I mentioned your name in many, many places in many classes when somebody raised this and I would say, yes, I was... I was introduced to this by a woman who was in one of my classes at the local JCC who, you probably don't remember this, came up to me after a class we were talking. clearly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So we'll go off that story. Everybody. So it, it's cool. It was, it was a very, very wonderful moment. It was. Um, okay, so Carol, uh, let's begin with, with some basics. Uh, could, could you define for me and for our audience what a solo ager is? Okay. I'm going to give you my definition, which is probably the narrowest and what I started with. For me, a solo ager is a person who has no living family and um, or maybe so estranged that there's no possibility that the family will ever intervene in any way. And also a person who, for a variety of reasons, has lost their friendship base. In my case, um, I'll be 78 in a couple weeks. And I was a little bit younger than most of my friends. I had a, a real close group of six. And so I have outlived all of those people. And for that reason, I am truly a solo ager, meaning I am on my own. I live alone. My friends are gone. And I am in this world quite isolated. So, so I guess uh, one of the obvious questions is, given all the material that we talk about a lot, in our program is, um, God forbid, you know, you get sick and you need help. Who's going to take care of you? That is one of the main problems that I'm working on now. Um, and it is for anybody who is a solo ager, emergency contacts, um, or anything to do with the medical establishment, which I'm living with almost day to day nowadays is very difficult as a solo ager. Um, 
somehow you have to find an emergency contact. In my case, the only person I could turn to was um, I've been seeing a therapist, and she has been gracious enough to say that she would do that for me. Um, but her involvement will be minimal because she's not mm -hmm. family, but she can at least be an emergency contact. So one of the things I hope to do in the next year is form some kind of coalition where people in a local area can talk and be comfortable enough to identify someone as their emergency contact who is outside the normal family relationship area. Uh, I know some people will, will use clergy if they're members of a synagogue. Uh, and have a relationship with their, you know, their rabbi, their priest, their minister, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I imagine just the filling out of the various forms, a durable power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, uh, the pulse for when you ask for, when it's asked for emergency contacts or, you know, who's, who is, who would you designate to make decisions for you if you were unable to make decisions on your own about end of care, end of life treatment? Um, that has to weigh on you because uh, it this is really yeah. fundamental. And and the sad part is, or the realistic part is, this was something, and I'm with millions of other people in this situation. I never worried about it. I sailed no, right. to 70, healthy as can be, and I never gave it a second thought. I was an only child. I've been very independent all my life, and I never really thought about it. Um. So when the time came, I was, and for the most part, am very much unprepared. And so one of the reasons why I'm glad to do this program today is to tell people from my own personal experience and difficulties, you have to find someone. You have to identify someone. And there's all kinds of possibilities that you may not have explored, which we can talk about. You just mentioned clergy. Um, but if you are like me and you think somehow you're going to die peacefully in your bed when you're healthy, you know, until yeah. that last moment, um, that doesn't necessarily happen. And you need to find a way to do this. Well, so, so walk me through, because uh, I remember um, towards the end, or I think in the fall of last year, we, we did a podcast with a woman from California, uh, Dr. Gieber. Uh, on, she wrote a book on financial planning for solo agers, and um, you know she, the whole rigmarole there. But in your particular situation, you said there are other. You know, if you don't, if you don't, what happens if you don't have a relationship with a clergy person? Walk us through. You know, where are some of the other avenues that a person could go to develop a relationship to, of trust? That it's this profound trust that you need. Well, um, that that's the thing, you know. There there are ways to make um, acquaintances, certainly. But when you're talking about designating someone who can be your emergency contact or can be responsible for administering and properly seeing that some of your last wishes are honored, that person takes on a lot of responsibility. And it's not easy to just go out and make a friend and say, no, by the right. way, do you mind <laughs> taking on all of this responsibility? And that's why I, I'm here to urge people that if they haven't done so, start thinking about 
who they might be able to tap that might be able to fill that role and start developing a relationship that will allow that person to feel comfortable taking on that role. Because it's not something you can drop in somebody's lap because two months before you think, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, I'm really sick now. I don't have an emergency contact. I better call somebody. No, no, it's, it's, um, well, you know, you mentioned the fact that, that you're seeing doctors now and that comes uh, with, for, for many of us as we get older, it sort of like comes with the turf. Uh, but can I ask you, do you have any sense that when you are in the now in the medical system that you are treated or viewed, talked to differently as a solo ager than if you were walking into the doctor's office with your spouse, your best friend, an adult child, etc.? Um, I'm going to twist that around a little bit. I don't think twist away. I don't think it's because I'm walking in alone. But when I try to explain to the medical professionals that I don't have anybody at home who can do such and such and such and such, or that right. there isn't going to be anybody at the hospital, or why isn't there anybody with me at the doctor's office, they have a really hard time understanding that. And I have to keep reminding them over and over and over again, because there's always the conversation well, the next time you come, make sure you bring so-and-so with you or, um, you know, right. make sure when you go home, you have such-and-such such with you and um, they should be prepared if they don't live with you to stay with you for a couple of days. And trying to explain, it, it's almost like I'm coming from another planet in some ways. Um, they just don't get it. And it's, it's very, very frustrating. And you really have to work hard with the doctor to explain it. There was a, a recent survey. I think, it was, I think it was either AARP or the National Alliance of Family Caregivers that, that talked about the fact that um, uh, over three quarters of solo agers, literally, as you were talking about, I mean, the, the statistics validate just... Um, don't have anybody to help in planning. So have you, in, in your planning, I mean, I know there are workshops that are given by, in various locations by family services or elder care attorneys. Uh, is this someplace that you would suggest people look at to help them develop a end of life plan or a care plan? Well, I, I don't know. I'm sure you remember a couple of years ago, you actually um, published a lot of the paperwork that needed to be filled out if you were. Yes, I, I, I do remember that. It's on our website under a time yeah. to prepare. And that actually was very helpful because that was the first time I had a chance to actually view the paperwork itself. So the paperwork is readily available. You can go even to your library to get the paperwork. Right. Um, there are a lot of, um, even some supermarkets now, because they have older clientele are carrying the paperwork. It's readily available. You can go online and you can download the paperwork. And you can, if you don't know what paperwork you need, just Google what paperwork do I need to prepare, and it'll list all the paperwork you need. Um, getting the paperwork is not a problem. Filling it out is a monster, and most people will say that they feel better filling it out when they have somebody with them as a companion because it's it's um it's hard. It's difficult to, to face those facts 
And if you're sitting there doing it alone, it's, it's difficult. So it's not something you can sit down and in an hour just have it done. Um, but the paperwork itself is readily available. Carol, from you and your work with other, and we'll get to that in a minute, solo agers, um, has a discussion of faith ever come up? I mean, it, it is where where is one's own faith as you navigate this stage of life alone? Um, How does it come into play? Faith comes up a lot. I, I would say really? almost all the time. Um, for people who are regularly attending a house of worship and have a relationship with clergy. Um, they sometimes talk about their frustration in, I guess, explaining the concept of solo, solo aging. Um, faith comes up in, 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 in that some people talk about prayer as a way of alleviating the fear of dying alone. Um, some people read the Bible and read certain passages. Um, there are things in, in your Jewish sacred aging column that probably a lot of people look at and find some comfort or some valuable information in. Um, but for the most part, there are not a lot of places where you can go as a solo ager right now where you can talk to other solo agers. And the frustration for me is that I've attended lately a lot of seminars that are for solo agers and the people who come define solo in a lot of different ways, which yeah, the heck out of me. Um, you know, my husband doesn't talk to me. He's not involved. He doesn't want to be involved. So I'm a solo ager. Lady, uh, if you fell on the floor and you were not breathing, he would probably help to pick you up and call for an emergency person. Um, so it, it's complicated. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. And we should mention um, that you write a regular column for Jewish Sacred Aging called Carol's Corner, uh, which is very popular. And where you talk about your journey, um, that leads me to ask you about the the expansion of your influence, because people should know that you this passion of yours has now traveled around the world. So, um, your Facebook page, which is uh, called Carol's Treehouse, right? The view from Carol's Treehouse, right? And you also write for uh, some websites that are specific to what we're talking about now correct and i think you mentioned before we before we started recording um a, a website called elder orphans what are what are some of a what are some of the websites that you're either writing for or are out there and second of all um you've been doing this for several years what do you keep picking up are there three or four major themes that keep coming up over and over again um, websites, there, there are not a lot of websites specifically for solo agers. There are a lot of websites for, um, people of a certain age, sometimes as, as young as 50, which is hard to define as an ager to me, but, you know, are older. Um, Elder Orphans is the one that I think is probably the best. 
um, and you can find it just by Googling or going on Facebook. Um, and that is one of the few, honestly, that I can think of that actually directly sticks to the topic of elder orphans. Um, there are others um, just called either Growing Old or Growing Old with Grace, or you can actually Google um, Growing Old and come up with dozens of websites. But there are very few that honestly deal with solo aging. Um, it's, it's a concept that's really been hard to have people understand what solo means. And it's right. kind of yeah. frustrating, actually. Yeah, in fact, I just I ran across in preparation for our conversation uh, of the University of North Carolina, uh, unc.edu. Um, they they actually have a whole page developed to uh, exactly this topic with statistics, and it's very interesting that that, that the university would do that. Um, it's very good. Um, wh what are some of the themes from the, all these the writing that you've done? People have con I know people have contacted you because. I've bumped into some people in, in classes who have read your column on the website and said, yes, I, I contacted her and, um, and you're writing for elder orphans. Are there three or four themes of just constant, constantly come up to you? Yeah, there, there are two really. Um, the first is, um, loneliness. That is probably along with health issues and dealing with them as a solo ager. Those are the two main themes, and they are the hardest to tackle. Um, the loneliness is so widespread and is now suddenly become in vogue to discuss. I mean, you can read dozens of articles on loneliness Correct. now. That's the new thing. Um, of course, people who have other people are still lonely, too, so it's not limited to solo agers. But it's also just been recognized recently that loneliness or lack of friends as we grow older is definitely related to health. Oh, absolutely. So right. it's not just lonely in the sense of emotional, but also what happens to us physically when we are alone. And people are beginning to become more aware of that. and. I, I would say there's a certain element of being frightened about the aspect of I don't have anybody now. I, I, I don't even know where to go to begin to build a new group of people. Um, maybe they're not mobile anymore. It's not easy to get around. You can't just go out and go to a social organization. Um, it's become probably the number one issue. For aging people um, in the last couple of years, um, loneliness. And then the second, of course, is, is health and how you deal with all the issues that we were talking about, all the paperwork, all the things that you should have in place, and you don't have anybody to sign for you or to be there for you. Well, I'm sure, and as you know, and, we, as, and as you've written, the pandemic just exacerbated all of this. Um, because if you're living alone and then for the last two and a half, it's now three years since the beginning of the lockdown, uh, the beginning of the, 
of of this craziness. Um, we all know people who basically just were self-contained in an apartment or a condo or a house for the better part of two years, and, and just so we. You're right. I mean, the loneliness and the mental health impact of the loneliness and the physical health impact of the loneliness. It's 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 interesting that those themes that you're picking up are are equally the themes that have emerged in general society, which I guess perhaps should not um, surprise us too much. The um, If you could wave a magic wand, you know, and all of a sudden you were elected, you know, queen of America, uh, how would you, and let's be specific to the Jewish community, which is inundated with issues, uh, not the least of which is anti-Semitism. How would you want the community to respond to this growing phenomenon? And it is a, it, it is a growing phenomenon of uh, the number of people who are alone and uh, and not and and are qualified as as your in your definition of solo agers and that number is going to rise it's only oh, going to yeah. rise uh as 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 we live longer you know that that's so, a good question and um i had a feeling you were going to ask me about that and i thought well how honest am i going to be because i i've been very frustrated um you have to be honest, you know, I nothing's going to happen, you know, <laughs> so nothing, I mean, there's going to be, there's no lightning bolt that's coming through the kitchen oh, window, so don't worry. No lightning bolt. I was just expecting people's eyebrows to go up to the top of their heads, but that's okay. I think in a lot of cases, there are, there are two pieces to it. Part one, there are a lot of synagogues that, for whatever reason, don't pay a lot of attention to the solo acres. Maybe there are fewer of them. And they require or ask less of the synagogue than the people with families whose children are going to the schools and, you know, have all of the family associated activities that go along with the synagogue. And so the solo waivers aren't there. Um, so they're absent and by being absent, they're not thought about. And the other part of it is, I think they don't know quite what to do with us once they identify that we are part of their congregation. So, for example, um, the synagogue that I regularly attended, which is now merged and is different, but, um, you know, they, they had two greeters at the door when you walked in for Friday night services. And the greeters were very nice, and after a while they got to know your name, and they say, hi, Carol. And... I think they thought that was sufficient to make you feel welcome. Because right. once you walked past them, you were on your own. Houses of worship, and I've talked to people who are not Jewish as well, and I have non-Jewish friends, um, are among the most difficult places for solo agers to go. And the reason for that is when you go, once you get past the greeter and you go and you sit down, you look around for a place to sit, and it's probably not a full house because they're not anymore, but you can either sit very much alone alone, or you can choose to sit where there are people, and generally they are families. And so it's Friday night or it's Saturday morning, and they haven't seen one another all week, and it's family time. And while they might say hi, they're not 
knocking themselves out to actively involve you in the conversation. It's their time. And I understand that. Um, Onik Shabbat, boy, that, 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 it's tough to sit there at the table and, and have everybody conversing with their family members and, and not be part of it. Um, they are very, it's a, it's a very difficult place to be. And, um, I, I tell people, if you're looking to make new friends, don't use the house of worship as your first place to go, which is, I think, contrary to what a lot of people think, um, because there's not a lot beyond the initial welcome that takes place. And I, I don't know that many congregations are establishing um, solo ager groups. There are a few. But it's not a lot. No, and th there are congregations who who actually have people from their membership committees who will make sh who are been alerted to the fact that nobody should be sitting alone. And well, if they'll see somebody, especially somebody new, they'll make sure that they'll try to sit them with people of you know like to like, so that they're not interrupting the the what's in there for family. But yeah, that, you know, here's somebody. Good, that's a great idea. Uh, in fact, one of the suggestions I would have is that. A committee be formed to specifically look at establishing a small group of people who are willing to take the time to actually sit with and maybe contact after the first meeting. So, right. but in yeah, to ask them to come back and to make sure that there's somebody there for them the second time and the third time and to walk them around and to introduce them. So it's not just a hello. Or an even I'll sit with you, and at the end of the evening, that's it. But some kind of follow up that would make a huge difference. Other than a house of worship, where where would you suggest? I'm sure you've gotten this question. Where would you suggest the solo ager look in the community to to you know may either make friends, make contacts, re reemerge, especially after the pandemic in a social situation? Because as you've alluded to, the socialization is very, very, very important. Um, there are two two things, two places that I, I think are the are, are where you go and it's really very simple. Follow your own interests. So don't go to something because you think you're gonna meet somebody there and you don't know anything about it and you don't really care a lot, but it looks like someplace where you'd meet people. Go to places where your interests are going to be at work. So, for example, take classes. Go to adult classes. Um, they don't have to be expensive. There are so many places now that are offering wonderful classes for people. And there are also um, some universities and some um, um, community colleges that are offering considerable discounts to right, seniors right. to take classes. And take a class that interests you. Because as soon as you walk into a place where people share a common interest, the likelihood of being able to establish a relationship is much greater. A lot of people take classes because they think, oh, I'd love to learn about this and I've never done this before. And that's great. But it's not necessarily the best way if you're looking to meet um, possibly a friend. You want to go to play a place where your interest is going to be their interest, not I'm 
starting this for the first time and I don't know anything about it, but so that if somebody sits next to you and you want to talk, you already have this common bond because you're both fascinated, maybe done some studies, taken some other classes, and conversation is so much easier. So classes, that's my number one thing. Um, and the other, believe it or not, uh, well, there's a second one, volunteer. Do something ah. that do something that you care about, that you're passionate about. Again, don't go with the number one goal of making friends. Go with something that you really care about so that when you meet somebody who really cares about it too, you have an immediate bond. And then as well, you're satisfying a need to be useful. And you can even volunteer. You don't have to be mobile. Nowadays, there are things you can do with the telephone, um, and then they have meetings, virtual meetings and Zooms and things like that of those people. So the volunteering would be my, my second thing. But follow your interests because then you're going to find other people who share your interests, and that breaks down a wall immediately. Great idea. Great advice. Great advice and basic advice because it goes to the basic human need to be in relationship with other people regardless. Um, before we end, uh, I, if you're, I, I know when you write on the Jewish Sacred Aging and your, and your column, Carol's column, but there, there may be some, maybe there are people who probably are not familiar with your column or, or the website. Are you, do you have a website or a case somebody who's listening to this or watching this and they would really like to reach out to you? How, how would they, how are you comfortable sharing that? Oh, well, my, my Facebook page is public. So anybody okay. can just look up Carol Leskin. Um, I write a whole variety of things there and I, I, I'm, I'm an active photographer now. So my photography is on there too. So it's not necessarily devoted to solo aging, but, um, I, I will just tell you very quickly that people meet people through pay, Facebook and then if they live near to one another, but the world has gotten so much narrower and through my Facebook writing, I have developed real friendships, except that we're not able to touch one another with people from Australia who are, for some reason, just absolutely wonderful and avid readers of Jewish segregation too. Um, and through Zoom and other things, we have become real friends. And while it's not the same as being able to touch somebody, um, some true friendships can emerge from those virtual friendships and make a lot of difference in people who are lonely. And the web and the Facebook pages. It just go to Carol Leskin. Okay. In Facebook, yeah. And, and that's C A R O L E. E. Don't forget the E. Right. Don't forget. Don't don't forget the E and L E S K I N. Right. Um. And I think you said the the Facebook page is a view from Carol's Treehouse, correct? Well, yeah, that's that's the name for it. But Carol Eskin is the easiest way to find it. And the photography is 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 very good because we back we you're very accomplished now. I mean, it's very some beautiful stuff. Uh, beautiful it's, stuff. It's, it's another way of reaching people. I found and um. No. It's it's like 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 people meet like people. So um, I no, met some it's, interesting it's, people that way. Carol Eskin, thank you very very much for uh, sharing your uh, 
your story and your journey and continued good luck and stay healthy and stay out of the doctor's office as much as possible. And uh, keep, I, I look forward to your next column um, for the website. And uh, thank you again very, very much. We really, really appreciate it. So thank just you. take care I, of yourself, I Carol. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. No, my, our pleasure. I'll see you. I'll see you at home, you yeah, know, you uh, <laughs> running around. Okay. Bye-bye. To all of you, thank you again for joining us on today's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. And again, if you'd like to contact us, just email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. And again, visit the Jewish Sacred Aging Facebook page. Uh, Secrets of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubetkin Media Companies here in unbelievable Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And we shout out to our amazing genius producer, Steve Lubetkin. Thank you again for joining us. I am your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and I look forward to greeting you on our next Secrets of Meeting TV show and podcast. And in the meantime, until we see each other again, stay safe, everyone. Stay Bye, healthy. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. And be kind to one another. Shalom. Todah.